everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 459, be recorded on July 19th, 2017. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Elstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Alan Malventano. I feel like Josh looks exceptionally like color balanced today. Do you guys agree with this? Is He's very color He's marvelous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, He's got a sheen going on. Well, the, the colors in the sweating. Ba- it's a healthy glow. Welcome everybody to uh, our weekly uh, podcast where we talk about computer hardware and other random crap. Um, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, which it is currently as we record this at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. Uh, and Don't forget 8 p.m. Mountain, the most important. The fewest time people zone. Live, live in that time zone of any time zone in our country for certain. They're the best. And maybe people. the world, maybe the world, you think maybe. about it, you know, uh, so I know Newfoundland's got their own half hour time zone. Oh, really? And it's like literally just them. There are a couple of 15 minute time zones. What? Mm-hmm. True. Oh, Why? yeah. Politics. And what if we had an know. even gradient of time zones all the way across the country? What if we just freaking got rid of it all? Business would be hard. What do you mean? We got rid of it all together. Everybody went GMT? GMT. Yeah, GMT for that all doesn't make things. any sense. Yeah. Just GMT. Then, then I like my idea of a gradient better. So that whenever the sun is directly above you, it's always noon. No matter where you're Ooh. at. So like literally every street is going oh, to be a slightly murder. different time. That would be awesome. You'd be driving around and your phone would be buzzing every five seconds going, Hi, you've entered a new time zone. Would you like to update? Welcome to. Hi, you've entered a new time zone. Would you like to I do like that addition to Google Maps when I was driving through the state. It would be like, Welcome to Virginia. Yeah. I'm like... Thanks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Time is a flat circle. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry for sending out my last little tweet here. I forgot about it. Uh, if you want a reminder about our live streams, you can come hang out with us. You can see the pre-show, the post-show. You can hang out in the chat room and bug us and ask us questions and bug us. And I don't know what other people do in the chat room. Um, uh, but pcpro.com slash subscribe is a place where you can go. looks like this. You get your name and your email address in there. We basically will send you a notification uh, to your email inbox an hour, two hours, 20 minutes before we do a live stream. Something to that effect. Sometimes after. Sometimes after. It depends <laughs> on if I'm not here or not. Uh, and we'll just say, hey, reminder, we're going to do a live stream. And we use it only for live stream stuff. So it's either for this or it's for uh, something like uh, we have somebody coming in to do a live stream. Or we're doing, we're doing another live stream on our own of, of some other uh, accord. So keep that in mind. And also, not to be forgotten, we have... The ongoing Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash pcper. This is uh, people who enjoy our content and our show's ability. uh, Wait, people who enjoy our content or shows, comma, their ability (laughs) to contribute to the website and to the content on kind of a monthly recurring basis. So you can pledge a dollar or $3 or $5. If you pledge $3, for example, um, you get access. We like, we, we save the post show every week. We we send the link to the peop- uh, to people who have pledged $3, $3 or more to participate in the post show. Sometimes it's five minutes of random BS. Sometimes it's 50 minutes of random BS. It depends on how up to the task everybody appears to be that night. And you know what? You're, you're kind of marketing this to the wrong people. Oh, boy. You need to please. talk about the people who hate our podcast. They need to donate because this is therapy for them. Oh. Have you read oh. YouTube comments? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. 
If every person who had a hateful comment for us on our YouTube channel gave us a dollar. Oh, yeah. We'd be good for a while. We'd be good. We'd be good for a little while. Oh, yeah. And so. they would be able to just cleanse themselves <laughs> through the wonders of internet. As is always the case, if you become a new patron and or increase your patronage during the live stream, I will read off your name no matter how funny or distasteful it may be. Uh, whatever you put in the name field of your of your contribution, I guess. So uh, keep that in mind as we go. So let's talk about the handful of things we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with quickly running over Sebastian's review of the Asus ZenBook 3 UX 390UA laptop. You're going to run over his review? We're going to run over it. Okay. <laughs> right. Or through it. I don't know which one's better, uh, right? Like over it or through it. Um so this is a uh, ultra portable machine, twelve and a half inch thin and light, as he calls it. It's got a 1080p IPS uh, screen. You get to choose between Core i5, Core i7 processors, seventh gen, uh, sixteen gigs of DDR4, five hundred twelve gig PCIe SSD. Um, and this is this is actually this is one that was announced last CES, uh, and is kind of the competitor to the MacBook. Is that right? Is that because I, we had this analogy because the MacBook launched with a single USB Type C port. This also has a single USB Type C port. Mm-hmm. That is, it's the entirely entirety of its connectivity uh, capability. Um, but it is a damn sexy looking machine. It's got a huge trackpad. It's got a great uh, display on it. I think the keyboard actually types exceptionally well. You can see this specification listing here. The model we got was the Core i7 7500U. You know, this is going to be the pricier, the pricier spend, uh, fourteen ninety nine. So really, not stupid crazy for the type of horsepower you get in this. And again, a five hundred twelve gig PCIe SSD is actually pretty damn impressive. It does uh, it does well. come with one of those dongles? It's not, it's not a lot on a dongle, but at least it's something that's to, true. to spread out the ports a little does bit. Does the MacBook come with this dongle? No, but oh, Apple no. will sell you one. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you get a USB three point port, Type A, an HDMI full size, and then a uh, USB Type C port. As well, so you can pass through charging that way. Mm-hmm. As well, I, I probably doesn't function as an actual type like USB port. It's just for charging. I think that's usually how these dongles work. Hmm. I don't know about this specific one, but like you couldn't plug in it. another Type C thing into it if you were just using the laptop on the go. I feel like they usually break out charging. Huh. Okay. Uh, very clean design, very thin. Uh, Sebastian goes through in his normal excellent style with fantastic photography. Um, you, you can see, I mean, look at this thing. Like there's literally like there's the USB port and there's a three and a half millimeter audio jack. That is the extent of the things you can plug into this machine. Um, the laptop is like floating. He's very good at this stuff. In, the, in these pictures. He does. He does a good yeah. job. Uh, so it is an IPS LCD screen. ZenBook three, uh, the, the, we're talking about here, 12 and a half inch. His only complaint was the brightness, uh, max light put output of 352. So that's that's not that's not awful, but uh, we've definitely seen laptops go quite a bit higher than that. And actually, kind of surprising. Usually, the IPS machines will go higher. Using it on the sun would be like that. might be, be touchy. Is really the only yeah. issue. Yeah, and it's not a matte finish or anything like that yeah. either. If so. you're indoors, you shouldn't be 350. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, we set ours when we do our review, when we do our battery test, it's at 180 lux. Yeah. Right. So that's And even that is still on the bright side. Yeah. Like we're kind of on the high side. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I think it's reasonable. Uh, This overhead shot of the keyboard gives you an idea of the kind of the, 
the form factor, right? Like there's literally no space between the edges of the keyboard and uh, uh, the sides of the devices. It is backlit, big touchpad with a fingerprint reader. Um, Performance-wise, this is a 15-watt TDP processor, so there's not going to be a whole lot of variance. Because of the way Intel has integrated, you know, base clocks, boost clocks, etc., you know, you look at the Core i7-7500U versus the Core i5-7300U. Yeah, there's a difference, but there's really not that much. And in fact, well, i5 is a little bit faster. I mean, think about the thermal restrictions, though. Correct. I think the X1 Carbon is a much well, not it's a much thicker laptop, which is a weird thing to say for a really the thin carbon, laptop. Yeah. But fitting a 15 watt processor in a form factor this small without having any noticeable throttling in these benchmarks is very impressive. It is, but what I mean is that all the 15 watt parts in thin and lights close to this are going to have are going to behave similarly because the thermal restrictions basically they can all spike up to a certain amount but they're not going to be able to stay there very long right yeah. so it's you know and it, but if you look at um cinebench scores for example the the uh thinkpad was a little bit faster actually quite a quite a bit faster than um the zenbook as well i, I mean and that's that's your thermal constraint compared right to xps 132 in one which is a still thicker form factor in which they chose to go with a Lower wattage processor yeah, because of the form part. factor, yeah. and it performs worse. Sure, it does. Just interesting to look at. Yep, it all balances out. And so you can see here uh, the special included CPU ID hardware monitor results, so you can see what the temperatures were floating at here. Um, not too, not too bad actually in the grand scheme of things. Kind of under load ADC for the CPU. Um, storage performance was good. Uh, this is a Toshiba 512 gig NVMe SSD. Uh, I don't know anything about this particular part. It's the OEM part that corresponds to the retail OCZ RD400. you have any recollection of the RD400? Uh, the Revo Drive 400? Yeah. Okay. That's the same. The Toshiba SSD is the same one that was in the XPS 13 2-in-1. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just, that's a fun fact. Yeah, just an M.2. Because we noticed the same sort of... Well, looked like it was on a buy two link performance drop off. Gotcha. Uh, battery life not fantastic. When you do get into these super super small thin and lights, you sacrifice battery capacity, right? And so the ZenBook Three UX three ninety UA is just over you know six point two hours of runtime, whereas that XPS thirteen that you were talking about that sacrifices performance got you know more than two hours of extra battery life because of it and then if you go up to thinkpad x1 which does use a core i5 but it is a larger again another kind of a step up in size you get you know even more battery life there at 9.32 hours so keep that in mind as you as you look at something like the zen book uh it's a it's an impressive piece of hardware um did get a, a silver award we do have the ux 490 ua in which is a follow-on to this which is actually a 14 inch screen in a 13 inch form factor with, uh, I think it has three USB 3.1. No, it has three Type-C ports. Two of them are Thunderbolt 3, I think. So it kind of expands your connectivity, um, but it's it's essentially using the same you know hardware form factor. So we'll we'll, we'll take a look at that too. Um, but in, the new one, a uh, dual drive? I don't think so. No, it's still it's still super thin. I think you're thinking of the S510 that we've been looking at recently. Yeah. Uh, so that is the ZenBook 3. UX 390 UA, uh, written by written up by Sebastian. Check that out. We encourage you to do so. And another one that we're going to uh, encourage everybody to check out. Oh, we go out of order here? I can I can move. Wait. No, I went out of order. Okay. No. No, you're out of order. 
Um, so this was kind of the, uh, I guess, probably the topic that we're most interested to, to look about. This thing sitting in front of Alan over here yeah. is the Vega Frontier Edition. But this one is gold instead of blue. It's for that extra 500 bucks, you know. It's plated it's in actual bling. gold. That better be. So this is the liquid-cooled variant of the Frontier Edition. Same specifications otherwise. Still the, the Vega 16 gigs of HBM2, 4096 GPU cores. They still list it at the same base clock, boost clock, uh, even though... The clock speed is really what changes in this platform compared to the air-cooled. Wasn't, so, wasn't there a spec that listed a different power somewhere? Yes, the power consumption is different. Um, so when when they first announced both these cards, the air-cooled was 300, the water-cooled was 375. Okay. They have since adjusted it, and now the water-cooled is rated at 350 watts okay. TDP. Now but, there's, but it doesn't come that way. Yeah, so there, there's so first let me show you this first. Like this is what the card looks like. It's pretty sexy. It's a water cooler. Um, the 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 design of the of the pump and cooler is very different. Yeah, it does not whine. It does not have a kind of a typical There's no uh, impeller. There's no high pitch right. rotational whining kind of sound. Yep. And um, although we don't really have like I don't know why, but we don't really have like official confirmation from AMD on any of this stuff. It appears to be a diaphragm. Pump. Yeah, it like reciprocates. It does not rotate. It you is a, like a plunger type thing that moves okay. back and forth. Oh. Right? oh yeah, Josh yeah. knows all about reciprocation. Hot. Yes, yes. Yeah, actually, it's the anti-hot. It's it's meant to cool, takes the heat away. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of debate about this uh, block off to the right here. Um, let's see, yeah, on, on this shot too, and what it does because it, it looks odd. If you, if you just open it up, right, there's only one, one line going fluid, to it. one liquid connection into it. Yeah, uh, and it's like, well, this is not clearly not part of a loop. That's nope. not how loops work. Nope. As far as I know, at least. Um, and the idea here is that this is a AMD described it to me as a spring tensioned reservoir. Yeah. Right. Just the, an expansion basically. Volume. Okay, as an expansion that allows the diaphragm to operate, uh, yeah, because if you have push a- and pull pressure, but it also helps maintain if there is evaporation in the lines over a couple of years. Right, there's the the reason the spring is there is to make sure that there's always the same amount of pressure going back into the system as maybe the the liquid that starts in this pump, this section on the right, gets pushed into the loop. Yeah, it'll entirety. help it. Like it's a spring, so it'll the tension does fall off, but like the idea is it shouldn't. Right. I mean, right. over time, like it should stay, you know, these like probably Teflon coated lines and all this. Like it really shouldn't have a major issue with like coolant seeping out. Like modern coolers shouldn't really have coolant seeping right. out of the lines anymore. If you remember the Fury X design, they had sort of an additional reservoir on the radiator side. Yes. It had, had that extra little hump. And this is the same principle, just sort of integrated in a different way onto the card. Yep. As opposed to, from what I can tell, this is a very expensive side. pump design. Uh, yeah, it it's would a very be more, expensive graphics card. It is. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be more expensive than something as simple as just having like, you know, if you think about a rotational kind of pump, it's really just an adaptation on like a fan motor, except it's just driving an impeller, right? Just like a brushless fan motor, which are a dime a dozen these days, right? So. You know, no, this, it's like a Sterling heat pump. Like, <laughs> like kind. I mean, this, this takes more effort. Um, you know, to design and Almost build and, and make quiet. Start your device. Um, we didn't have any audio of it 
like recorded or anything, but like my impression of it, like I don't know if they still make these, but you know, when I was growing up, we had like a little aerator pump on a fish tank, mm-hmm. just a 60 hertz, you know, and it had like a little kind of a hum to it. Yeah, uh, it definitely sounded different yeah, than it, the it other. It sounds very close to it. I would, I, I would even say like the frequency is probably very close to 60 hertz, but mm-hmm. it's not like a pitchy kind of sound. It's a very like, you know, like a really low frequency vibration kind of sound mm-hmm. instead. So we'll, we'll, I think one of the RX Vegas will use a water cooler, and I would be shocked if it used something different than this. So we'll we'll probably get more details. Yeah, it'd on be that silly to design two different yeah. water coolers. For, I, I did talk with the product manager who I've, and now I'm blanking on who he said, but he was talking about like one of the other PMs was was using it for something, so he just stole the cooler design to use on Vega FE. So we'll see. Okay. What that actually turns out to be. Hmm. So here's here's a couple of interesting things, right? The uh, uh, so what's what's interesting about this card is that, as Alan alluded to, th- there's two settings for this, and there's a switch on the top, kind of right behind um, the, the tubing as it goes into the card. Uh, and one of the switch options is for the 350 watt TDP section. One's for 300. If, now, you, the, if you don't, if you weren't looking for it, you wouldn't know there was a correct, switch. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a, a thing with a light on it, or like an arrow that says adjust TDP here. I mean, even in our picture of the cards, uh, the hoses are actually they're just kind of always in they're the just right kind spot. of covering up. Yeah, you know, covering up the switch. Now, what's interesting is that AMD ships this in the 300 watt setting. Yeah, which um, let me click on this here and see if we can get a little bit bigger. Yeah, so the blue line here is the. Uh, liquid at 350 watts and the orange line is 300 and as we look here at the power this is kind of just using unage in heaven as a load see we're just under 300 watts kind of on average here and just under 350 watts on average here so it's clearly doing the job what i was gonna say is they ship it in the 300 watt mode though which is um disappointing yeah because I mean, well, it's not just they ship it that way, but there's no directions anywhere. Nothing tells you. Right. There's nothing in the box. No. Because we've got a retail And there's nothing one. in the driver either. This is my other complaint is that you don't really know what setting you're in yeah. unless you have the ability to measure the power draw. Right. Right. Like or if, or I, we, if you knew what to expect. I ran certain... the whole suite of tests. Yeah. This is my fault, right? But I ran the whole suite of gaming tests. And looking at performance, it was like, well, I mean, it's a little bit better than the air cooled, right. but whatever. And then, we and then I did power consumption last, which I kind of have always done and now will not, and saw that this is only drawing 300 watts. Started my engagement with AMD and, you know. Oh, yeah, there's a switch. They didn't sample this. We bought this card. They weren't sampling anybody. They didn't really, they didn't clearly didn't have like a plan in place for like, oh, Ryan's going to call me with this question. Yeah. They weren't really sure what's, what it was supposed to be in. They said, try the switch and see if it goes back. And I did. And now we're at 350. But then I was like, hey, if this is supposed to be 375, it's not 350. We had another discussion. Um, yeah. And then there was somebody else who dumped a ROM from the card. Yeah. And they posted it. And, and they, they only were, posted the one ROM. They had run it at 300. And it was the 300. So somebody, and, we know that so they not were only, all Not only was that their default, but they also weren't even, as we saw on Twitter, wasn't even aware that there was a switch. And this is somebody who bought the card and was posting benchmarks to Reddit. Yeah. So you would expect that to be the type of person that would know about the switch. Sure. If it, if it were a thing. Yeah. So, you know, typical layman probably yeah. doesn't even now, know Now, the reason exists, right? AMD gave me for them doing that is... Uh, maintaining within spec of pcie sure right so the 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 thing is that 300 watts they're drawing this card and the air cool barely draw more than like maybe 25 watts on through the motherboard slot yep which means the rest of it is coming through 
Not that those, not, not the, the water lines. <laughs> the water lines uh, through the eight-pin auxiliary connections, right? Yep. And those were only technically rated 150 watts a piece. Yep. So by sending it at 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 300, they can kind of guarantee that any kind of uh, moderate power supply is not going to uh, be impacted or cause stability issues or something like that. Sure. In that mode. Whereas in reality, and I think both of us agree, and most of us, I think all of us in this room agree, that the the person who's buying this card is probably buying it instead of the air cooled for the reason of promise of added performance. Yeah, and you have to have the added power consumption to really, to really get that. Um, this is oh yeah, this is a diagram that shows you the in the 350 watt mode. Uh, this white line being total power consumption. It's kind of right at 340, 350, and then these orange and uh, this red and green line are the two eight-pin power connections. Mm-hmm. They're drawing over 150 watts each. One of them's about 160, and one's like 155. That's fairly over, or so. Now, and, people and we know may call the... us hypocrites because we made such a big deal about the RX 480. Yeah, the problem with the RX 480 was that it was drawing too much through the motherboard. Yeah, through very small traces. Mm-hmm. Very uh, uh, fragile. Electrical connections. It was exceeding the actual current rating of the pins of a PCI swap. Correct. Whereas, Whereas pins and conductors in the 8-pin and 6-pin connectors can handle something like 9 amps a piece or something right. like that. So even though the spec is, is was going to say a lower amperage total, right. right? the physical hardware itself can handle way above that. Yeah. So we're way less concerned if somebody's drawing over power on the 8-pin connectors than we would through the PCI Express mm-hmm. bus itself. So there's that. And we said the same thing back in the 480 review. Like, we would have preferred for them to go over on the, Correct. On the extra power connectors yep. as opposed to the motherboard. So here is, uh, so the blue line is the, a little bit more. The blue line is the Vega FE Liquid 350 watt, because we kind of really focused on that because we think. off the top? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll scroll up in a second. Okay. And then the Vega FE Air is gray. That's the first card we reviewed, the Air. And then you got the 1080 Ti, 1080, and Fury X. Okay. And so what you see here is that the blue line is jumping around a bit. This is actually testing Rise of the Tomb Raider and DX12. Uh, hovering around the 350 margin. Sure. The gray line under 300. The yellow line is the 1080 Ti from uh-huh. NVIDIA. And then these green and red lines at the bottom are the 1080 and the Fury X. And the gray line would also be similar to the uh, water edition just running with the switch in the other position. Correct. Roughly. Correct. Yeah. And it's also worth noting, well, here's where, there's, here's where that difference is. Uh-huh. The gray lines, you see these power dips, right, that we saw with the first Vega uh, FE air-cooled? Yeah. Those don't exist right. on the water cooled, and they don't exist when you're in the 300 watts. Yeah, in either mode, doesn't because matter because the GPUs are running at such a lower lower temp. Yep. In general, uh, we won't we'll look at which are three. In general, this card is able to keep the GPUs even at the 375 watt or 350 watt state under 70 C, like 65, 67 yeah. degrees Celsius. Worked very well, which is way better, yep. right? And it's a super effective cooler. Yep. And the noise wasn't. Really, even a, no, like noticeable, right? Bad. If you want, you couldn't get an air cooled card down that low. But if you're trying to get it to like 75 C, you're like, I don't know, 120 dB. That's that's a lie. Yeah. But and the fan, like the that. fan was reasonably quiet too. You know, separate from the pump. What do you get with those uh, that added power draw? You get these clock speed differences. So again, blue is the liquid uh, card at 350. Orange is liquid at 300. And then the uh, gray is the FE and air cooling. And if you see here. Um, the bottom is the air-cooled, and it kind of bounces between um, two frequencies. The orange bounces between two frequencies a little bit higher, and the blue is two, frequently, two frequencies higher than that. And it's actually able to hit 1,600 megahertz 
um, the majority of the time. So right? was this just with the switch in 350? No, no. The blue was 350, the orange was 300, and the gray was right, the right. air-cooled. So in other words, with so the water-cooled version with the switch in the 350 position is much more often maintains 1600. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those jumps in that graph look small, but note that... Um, as I say here in the text, is I want to make sure I get this number right. Uh, at the 300 watt setting, the liquid cooled card oscillates between 1440 and 1528 mm-hmm. megahertz, uh, with the occasional spike to 1600. While the air cooled one goes between 1440 and 1348. Okay. While the water cooled one uh, hits 1528 to 1600. So there's like it's it's jumping it's, up it's each iteration of the card. Kind of that. goes yeah. yeah, and they're kind of wide steps, which is actually a little bit disappointing as well. And hopefully we'll learn some more about that. Um, as we get uh, the Vega FE stuff. The performance is, uh, we'll, we'll show you that at the end, the, the overclocking side, we were able to get, um, you know, we were able to hit, it rated at 1,712 megahertz, and it kind of bounced between that and uh, 1,600. One thing worth noting, if you have this card, if you buy this card, you put it in 350-watt state, if you just increase the power target by 20%, 15%, it will basically be static at 1600 megahertz, okay. which is what you really want to do. Now, we did overclocking. We got, you know, maybe say 6 or 7% clock speed changes out of it. Uh, what's important just to, to know... Just to clarify before we go into overclocking. Um, well, I'm already there. So all of the... There were, there were some questions and comments on this. I figured we should clarify anyway, because people are probably curious. But like, so all the... What was the state, the configuration of the card for all of the tests you did in the review, other than the overclocking? 350 watts stuck. Okay. So you just... Take the card, flip the I switch. think there was a typo in the graphs is what they're looking at. Oh, okay. I think the frequency is listed wrong Okay. in the in the 350-watt state. All right, so it was in probably the state that a typical person would put it into. Correct. Not overclocking. I just basically flipped the switch. They just have to be aware yeah, yeah. of the switch, but, Correct. you know, okay. Now, when we went into the overclocking side, uh, my final overclock was I added 25% power and 7% to the clock. What does this do to power consumption? It does a lot, as it turns out. Um, the blue line here is the same card at stock settings. The gray is overclocked. We're up to 440 watts or so of power draw from that card. That's up there. Which is a lot. Yeah. Um, it's the power draw of a lot of dual GP cards that have existed in actually, the history yeah. of time. Yeah. It's, it's not great, right? And so... Um, the performance in general, before I, before I get to the conclusion side of it, let me, let me, we'll just show Dirt Rally or whatever. Um, the performance is better. The air-cooled, at, at, even at 300 watts, the liquid-cooled card is faster than the air-cooled card. And at 350 watts, it gets closer to the 1080. Yeah. It's closer. Um, and in some cases, the difference between the, this is a good one, right? At 350-watt setting, the liquid cool card is 13 or 14% faster than the Vega FE Air, which is a lot. Yeah. More than I expected, to be completely honest with you. And it brings it, you know, within 1% of the 1080 at 2560 by 1440 and actually 8% faster than the GTX 1080 in this game. That's the only game that this occurs in. Now, that being said, it's still slower than the GTX 1080 Ti by almost 30%. So That overall is kind of disappointing since the 1080 is like a $500 card. Keep in mind, this that we're we're not looking at this as a gaming card. It's it's not really no, for the gamers. I'm with you. Oh, like yes, you know, it, it put it puts in it puts in perspective what AMD is going to have to do with RX Vega to make it 
Right. That's that's where I was going with that. Here's another example. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, The liquid-cooled card is 12 to 17% faster than the air-cooled card. Again, pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And it brings it basically on par with the GTX 1080. My conclusion to this is that two things. One, we didn't do any professional testing. I just kind of ran out of time. And one of the tests we tried to run, like, didn't want to work right or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, it, it crashed, but whatever. Um, Not the card's fault necessarily. I like, wasn't really interested in reviewing this particular card for the professional level stuff. I was more trying to use it as what is what is what are kind of our best case estimations for RX Vega? Unless right. AMD has some trick up their sleeve. Uh, what was the thing we heard today? Oh, they've been sandbagging uh, Vega Frontier Edition, which which would be an insane idea to me that they would that they would do that. Yeah. They well, would just risk, sabotage their own they product. They would risk so. the type of coverage that they would get. In order to make some other product look better, uh, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, um, but this gives us an idea of what we can expect from an RX Vega, right? So maybe we can see it near 1080 performance, which gives AMD the flexibility to charge up to 499 for this card, uh, for the RX Vega card, which is going to be a tough sell if this particular, the Vega Frontier Edition Liquid, is 1499, right? How are they going to make up that that difference? Really, um, it's was what it comes down to. So I, I don't know. I, I open it up to any questions or thoughts from Josh or Jeremy, somebody who hasn't. They haven't had any input on it yet. Somebody's muted. Somebody. Mm-hmm. Nope, they're not muted. They're just mute. I'm not muted. Is that a meh? Meh. I, it's it. Well, it's yeah. It's the content creator card. Yeah. So, $1,499. Yeah. I mean, I am I am a bit confused by... There seems to be an awful large number of people commenting that some, you know, as if the drivers are just going to give you, like, some kind of 50% gain when you switch there's to There's not going to be a 50%. Like, I mean, there, there's a possibility that drivers can do something. I mean, I'm sure it'll help some, but... I It, it, it will... But it's drivers be, help everything I, all of the time, I, I right? Seriously like doubt, not, I seriously doubt it will suddenly be like a 1080 Ti beater or no, something. I don't think they're going to make up 30%. Like, yeah. And I would yeah. be 30 I, to 50% improvement in your games. I, it's, I'd love to see it, but... It would be yeah. great. Sure. I mean, if they could do it, that'd be phenomenal. Yeah. But I just, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I, I still think that... Go ahead, Josh. There are features that have not been disclosed. I mean, it's... It's We're talking like professional die. professional level features, though. Or? I don't know. I don't know. It's a huge die. It's got it more transistors, but it's got the same amount of shader units mm-hmm. as the Fury X. I mean, what, and what what could those be? I don't though, know. Right, like in true audio three point <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, maybe <laughs> some matrixy type. Uh, what's that stuff that uh, Nvidia put in? I don't know what we're referring to. Quadro. I can't remember. Off I don't know. Are you talking about like for uh, the AI stuff? deep learning or are you talking about the tensor processing Yeah, they've unit? got those. The ten, uh, tensor. This stuff. does not happen. I doubt that. I, I know. That, Probably not. Like, but... you know, I don't know. They've talked a lot about stuff, you know, like half precision math. Um, yeah, which, which is supposed to do really quick. Which would be great. Games don't really utilize it, you know. That, that can, that's going to be good for the machine learning, you yeah, know, AI yeah. side of things for for people for for software stacks that, that integrate that. Um, they talked a lot about high bandwidth cache controller. Um, they, they talked a lot about uh, uh, new geometry 
capabilities that that may not be enabled. I, if they come up with twenty percent, I'll be astounded and I'll applaud and yeah, fantastic, right? But yeah. the the likelihood of that seems fairly low. Um, but they don't have to beat NVIDIA's 1080 Ti to make a successful card. That's true. They need to be competitive at some price point. End of discussion, right? Like, yeah. whether or not they're profitable on the card or not really doesn't matter to the gamers in the short term. In the long term, it may matter to them. But in the short term, all that matters is that you make a card uh, that is good-looking, that, that, that uh, is going to perform well on the games they want to run, and is going to cost at or below the level of the NVIDIA competition. Power efficiency is just not going to be there. There's nothing that AMD is magically going to be able to do in the next three weeks to suddenly um, make Vega more efficient than Pascal. It's not going to happen. Luckily, power consumption is just not that big a deal to most people. It's one of many data points. Um, well, there were some people price having... Price performance or most. Some people were sure. having some success with actually undervolting. Yeah, I, I get it. And, and that and, makes sense. And, and, and people have clocks. done that on AMD cards for a while. Yeah. AMG, AMD has... Look, AMD doesn't have as many resources as NVIDIA in terms of engineering. Sure. But they're not idiots. Yeah, like there's a reason they run Vega at 1.2 volts, and yeah. not 1.05. Yeah, probably a margin that they need to have to for it to be stable. And so you know, so so while each individual might be able to do that and improve efficiency, the fact is that Nvidia you don't have to do that. Yeah. to make Pascal better. Yep. Right. So uh, AMD is not not just going. Oh, I don't know. Pick 1.2 and let's just go. <laughs> Right? Like, oh, darn. We picked the wrong math number. And, math and science has gone into this decision. I have, I have no doubt. So, uh, so that's, the, that's the Frontier, Vega Frontier Edition, Liquid Cool. Hope, we're not going to hear about Vega again until we see RX Vega. I got a stupid question. Yeah, sure. You? you were talking before about the ROM being dumped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from the ROM being dumped, you could tell it was in 300 watt versus 350 watt. Yeah. No, we could just tell. It was we knew the that because same. we had both. We, we had both files. We compared, the one, the, we compared it to the error card and it was the same file. We did a diff. You can't decode it as Wait, of now. So, so there actually is two different firmwares for the various yes. power ratings. Yeah, that's what the switch is. Okay. It's, you have to reboot the machine after you flip the switch. Okay. Because it, it boots the other, like a BIOS. Okay. Yeah. That's all it is, BIOS selector switch. Okay. Just the other one happens to be set up for 350. Makes sense. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Let's uh, let's move on then. Uh, Mori posted a review of the Asus Tough Series Z two seventy one Mark One motherboard. Not going to spend much time on this. Um, this is your Cabby Lake slash Skylake um, mainstream enthusiast <sighs> motherboard. It's the Tough Series. What would we say this is? Is is targeted at what? Ken, this is the. Uh, uh, reliability specialist yeah. board, I guess. But they've, they've, they've seemed to have more just made it a motherboard, it seems to me, in the last well, couple of generations. they still market, like, hardware certification lists and increased lifespan of components and stuff like that with the Tough Series. But, yeah, yeah, it's just kind of one of their mid-range motherboards between the Prime channel stuff and the ROG stuff at this point. Fair enough. Um, so this is so they, they they do a little bit more on certification of the components, the MOS, the alloy chokes, the capacitors, those types of things. Um, they they have like the what they call the armor for the motherboard, right? So just like plastic housings that kind of prevent dust from getting in different things. Um, I just 
Like the idea is really good. I just don't see somebody like if you work in a woodworking shop where dust is like a significant problem for it's, maybe it's your gonna, CAD It's going to find a way to get in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, my thing was you're probably not looking at motherboards that have like LEDs and RGB headers on them and stuff like that, right? It just seems yeah. odd to me, like this odd combination of um, uh, consumer, capa- consumer feature set and yeah. industrial feature yeah, set. Yeah, you'd figure it would have less features. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about reliability and stability. Like I'm, I'm, I'm personally for my machines, I'm more about that than I am about overclocking mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, you know, we do what we can. Uh, it's still 3D printing friendly. It's still got all the features you want, USB 3.1, Type-C, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, Mori goes through CPU cooler fit. I, I guess we got to look at one Mori giant cooler yeah, photo shoot. We haven't done one in a little while. That two coolers? No. No, that's one cooler with two it's fans. It's the same cooler he's been using for years. Oh, now. I'd, never, I'd never noticed the gap. Yeah, the gap is for a fan. <laughs> like, there's a gap. So like, the, yeah, that's... Yeah, mind it. Do Helen. we assume the air is going into the video card or away from the video card? <laughs> There's no telling. We're guessing pulling. I'm guessing it's that one you, fan you don't actually little, use that fan at all. Yeah, that one fan seems a little bit starved, uh, so it, maybe it's a thing. good thing that there's two fans. I think um, you're not supposed to use that. It's more for demonstration purposes, if anything else. So, uh, Obviously, Mori goes through the, the UEFI. He goes through um, the overclocking capabilities uh application benchmarking uh overclocking he was able to get up to 5.1 gigahertz with the 7700k with a 4.8 gigahertz ring bus yeah and memory running at 3733 1.3 1.35 volt memory voltage 1.34 1.34 volt cpu voltage so pretty good results uh, it is a moderately moderately priced motherboard at one ninety nine, right? You know, considering we've been talking a lot about X three ninety nine, X two ninety nine, and that kind of stuff, one ninety nine seems like a damn bargain these days. So, uh, lack of UEFI RGB LED configuration was a negative, according to Martin. No, I lied. No RGB twelve volt headers. This is bullshit. I made that up. <laughs> I, I was mistaken about that. No twelve volt. Headers. CMOS battery placement is on the strengths. Oh, is on the strengths. All right. So, so there you go. Uh, what else we got coming up on the list? Uh, Josh, why is there a robotic-looking lady on my website? Because Sylvia's mother said Sylvia's happy. I don't know what that means. Don't. Damn it. Some people are just too young or... Uneducated. Hey, you know, Alan looked at me like he was confused. Forty too. cents more I for the I next. Didn't, I didn't get three, it. Three, three minutes. Minutes, please, please. Mrs. Adria. God, just tell, just tell me about the damn thing we're looking at. Right. No. So anyway, Cal Simpson. You don't deserve it. No, you don't deserve it. Cal Simpson <laughs> from uh, he's England. He's a guy that I've been following on Twitter here for a while. He uh, talked to the people who. Uh, have developed Sylvia. Sylvia is an intelligence on command conversational AI. And uh, they've done a tremendous amount of work to make it very compact, uh, accessible to games, applications, uh, Android, iOS, PC, all of these things. Uh, It can go in as small as I think like five or 
10 megs of, of memory space. Hmm. And it allows this, this conversational AI that uh, apparently does fairly well. Is it perfect? Probably not. But uh, there's a lot of details in here about the thinking uh, behind the developers, what they're attempting to do, how well they're actually doing it, and uh, where really they're aiming at this. So we've got, you know, conversational AI, Echo, uh, Google Dot, Siri, some of these other things. And uh, some do well, some do I think Jeremy had talked about of things that he'd experienced himself, and uh, some of our commenters have uh, made some good comments as well. Like, uh, hey Siri, what's the weather like? And it can get you what you want. Then you ask something a little bit more difficult, and next thing you know, you're listening to Steve Nicks when you really just wanted a cup of coffee. But this is one thing that uh, they're working on, and it's another uh, form of AI that we will see integrated in a lot more applications. Uh, kind of a, one of the, the killer apps that they're really looking at is the VR crowd, where you can actually interact with characters in the game or application, and it feels much more natural. So that's that's kind of the whole group. And uh, they put a lot of tools in place to actually try to hit those uh, marks. So it's an interesting interview. And I apologize for me sounding so... Like an AI? No, like William Shatner. Because you're still getting your echo back? I'm getting my echo back, and it's annoying the Just plug your ears. That's true. Take your headphones off while you're talking to us. The only thing I say is la 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 la. That's all I ever hear. That kind is of that, way, is that different than what you say? Oh, crap. All these years. Right. All these years. All these years. So anyway, read the interview. It's a three-page, pretty long interview. He took a lot of time with the guy. Yeah. Transcribed it all. Look at some interesting pictures. Um, if you remember back in the day when Epic released their uh, Unreal Engine, they, they really made a huge splash by releasing Unreal Engine. Engine editor. Yes. And they're doing much the same thing with theirs. And so they, they've got a lot of tools to really help uh, even new programmers and, and people who have uh, you know bought this or licensed it to get their product out quickly with a pretty robust set of tools. Sorry, I just sneezed and hmm. tried not to. I'm sure you did, but I just keep hearing myself talk to myself, which is really <laughs> Annoying. And there's a phone. <laughs> did, the phone, did the phone echo back to Josh? Yeah. Phone's ringing, dude. Someone rang his bell. No, what blew me away is on that last slide, they say that it's a five meg footprint or less. Yeah. I mean, underneath the Unity bit. It's, that's tiny. Is it all cloud-based then, or is it? No, it might just be pure. It's pure logic. Like, you don't, you know, it's not like graphical assets and like no, typical it's, game stuff. It's, it's, it's just modular. A, yeah, but it's just like sure, a lot. So but look at how large my print driver is. Well, the print drivers have a bunch of, <laughs> you know, crap in them, like bloated crap added to them. Yeah, like printing. 
Like you don't, you really don't need. And it can't find an, a way to break things in a brand new way every single day with just five megs. I mean, you <laughs> need a couple hundred megs to be able to screw up that badly. True. Nobody yeah. will ever need more than five megabytes for artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Write it down. <laughs> yeah. Write it down. Very cool. All right, let's get into some news of the week. Um, Jeremy, there's there's a handful of items on here with your name attached. You can now get a Dell laptop that charges wirelessly. Did we talk about this last week? I feel like we talked about this last week. Uh, we might have talked about it in the office last week. Maybe. Uh, yeah, a Dell laptop that it. recharges wirelessly, but it will cost you. Are you talking about it's going to cost me money or is it going to cost me features? What's it going to do? <laughs> Radiation. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. it could cost you your fingertips if you put it on a metal table. They do mention that don't put the charging pad <laughs> on a metal table. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. So there you go. But no, the problem is that like the, the base model, the 7285, uh, which is this hybrid tablet uh, that they've got going, is 1200 bucks. That's your utter base model, which for what it is, is decent. Huh. But if you want to wirelessly charge it, you've got to spend 380 bucks on the wireless charging keyboard, which is different from the default keyboard, and another 200 bucks for the charging mat. That's over five hundred dollars. So you're almost six hundred bucks to your <laughs> the price of it. Yeah, hmm. that's on the other significant. hand. Significant. On the other hand, it's sitting there uh, pushing out eighteen point five volts. So that's more than enough to keep a dull charged. So you'd be able to use it indefinitely, as long as you don't spill a drink or, you know, yeah, yeah, lick it with a moist finger. <laughs> yeah, it's thirty watts of charging. Wirelessly. That's, that's, that's a, a lot. lot. That's a lot. Like, it's a serious amount. Yeah. It's probably multiple pads, I would imagine, multiple zones or something on there. That... I'm still waiting for those damn Logitech PowerPlay accessories to come out. Well, I mean, they're probably still <laughs> trying to make sure they can make them without them. No, no. The, the, like, no, if they've announced, they've announced them, right? So they're, they're productized, you know, all that type of stuff. I, I just want them to sell them to me. Yeah. Or give them to me, whichever works. Uh, I do want to mention... And the other thing that kind oh. of bugs me about it is... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you got a Patreon? No, no, or go ahead. I wrap up? No, I'll, go ahead. Uh, the only thing that bugs me about this charging mat is it's not a freaking dock. If you're going to do this, you got to carry a power cord around anyways to pull, plug the mat in. So it's not helping you be mobile. It's obviously going to sit on a desk and never move. So right. add some friggin' peripheral. Yeah, a little bit of Y gig on that would be great. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, what what is the point, though, at that point? Like well, that's, I don't know. This that's is a, a mat that you're going to put a laptop on, and if you were going to plug it into a dock, correct. Anyway, right. No, like, I, I'm with you. I, I didn't even think about that. But without having, like, if it were if it were a wireless charging connectivity dock, that's perfect. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah. Just wireless. Yeah. I mean, I honestly like you're one step away from just pogo pins. You know what I mean? Just if you're, <laughs> you, have, you have to put it on a thing anyway. But you could right? turn it. And so rotate what? it a little bit? Like, maybe? I don't know. I don't, you know, just, I don't know. And what happens if you got a wirelessly charged phone that gets a little too close to that mat? Because I don't think they charge it quite that high of a wattage. Well, I'm sure it just wouldn't negotiate Are and you start sure charging. it wouldn't? It's just... I mean, it, maybe it's smart enough to negotiate down. Do you want to find out? It's just so much money for I, something I mean, that, I want to find out, but not with my hardware, no. It seems like nothing, <laughs> it seems like nothing more than a novelty for $500. You got to start somewhere. I guess. Mm-hmm. But yes, we did have a Patreon come in. Uh, This was from Rupert Steele, pledged $5. 
Thank you, Rupert Steele, for the support. We greatly, 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 greatly appreciate it. Uh, A splash of water can open it up. That's that's what I'm drinking, except it's a splash of Diet Coke. I apologize for the sniffles that I've had this evening. I'm trying to drink bourbon to to fix the the ailments. Uh, A splash of water. This is the ROG Poseidon GTX 1080 Ti Platinum. That's a lot of lights and shit going what's on. What's What's the yeah? What's that grid of? Yeah. What is orange. this over here, Jeremy? Do you know what this is? This is the hailing That's lights. That's the sexy bit of the card. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is a hard CP review that they did. Um, they so they attached a Coolo Coolance Exos liquid cooling system. Man, those are old. We have one. We have yeah. three of them in the back. <laughs> we, we have three, three of them. Exos cooling systems. Yeah. Two silver ones and a black. Oh, I thought we just had one. Nope, 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 huh. no. You're just not looking through and the shelves. Here you are mining dry enough. like yeah. a peasant. Yeah. Uh, so anything, what stands out about this particular card or testing that they did other than this? Well, honestly, that looks like a freaking brake light from a car. I know. It's, yeah. right? it's, it's like a... Uh, but it has the ROG. It's like long. a plastic cover behind yeah. the lights with the yeah. ROG logo yep. in the center of it. You can barely make it out in that picture, but... Yeah, it's hard to see. Man, that's like it's yeah. But anyway, so this is part two of the review. Oh, okay. This is a hybrid cooled cart, so you don't have to water cool it. You right. can just let it go as is. And they did that first. The second review was plugging it into the coolants. Yes. And it was interesting. So just straight out plugging it in, the minimum clock they saw in the water cooled pretty much matched the highest clock they saw at base on the air cooled. And it just went there on so its it own? it makes a freaking difference. Yeah. That's cool. And not screwing around with it or anything. Just plug her in and away it goes. Yeah. Uh, at the top end, I mean, they ended up hitting uh, 2.076 uh, gigahertz. It, it was higher than the air-colored card, but not significantly high. Yeah, yeah. 70 megahertz so is, is not a lot. Yeah, I mean, you can hit no. two on air. Like usually, I mean, clearly yeah. they did. They just said oh, they did with that card. Well, I mean, sometimes yeah. it varies from card to card, but you can usually <laughs> no, yeah. get two on a on a TI. But it got significantly quieter, and like I say, just true. plug her in at stock. All of a sudden, your max clock suddenly become your min clock. Sweet. observed in game. Gotcha. Decent for cool. for hardcore overclockers. Don't go this way, um, Man, because over... it's. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, it, like almost two for one devices. It's not perfect at either one but it's a nice mix of the two yeah so over over pull, two gigahertz off. is pretty great yeah. on a 1080 ti yeah like that's oh, that's yeah. a whole lot of performance guys it just kind of seems like a card begging for a market to me the poseidon yeah like yeah. I, I understand how the flexibility of being able to go to water if you want to go to water is cool but <laughs> i've see, been, see what he did there yeah i see what he did yeah. i've been kind of toying with the same mm-hmm. thing i have a founder's edition 1080 ti and now we're at the point where EVGA sells a the water block, water block with oh, the, a self-contained loop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And gotcha. I'm more likely to do that than water cool my entire system out of the blue, like, right? Yeah, but I mean, it, you're, it seems you're like basically... people who already know they want to do self-controlled, self or not self-contained custom water cooling, right. Are already buying a CPU block at the same time, making sure they get a motherboard that they can cool the, they can get a block for the I don't, VRMs. I don't disagree. It or seems like it comes with the block on the VRM. Yeah, like this. This is much like the argument of why do you buy a motherboard that has the ability to support SLI? 
because maybe I'll go get a second card one day and yeah. I don't want to mm-hmm. waste my investment. This is the same thing. And I agree that that's probably a small subset of people that actually ever act on that. But the idea of <clears throat> providing that flexibility, I think probably entices quite a few people. Yeah. So uh, we also have the Oculus Pacific bringing VR to the masses. This was, so this is a rumor coming out that was basically uh, that Facebook was going to have, or they were building a, a new Oculus headset that was self-contained VR powered mm-hmm. by Qualcomm. Mm-hmm. Car, you know, so it's not something that hooks up to a PC, not something that um, requires uh, cameras to be configured or set up or whatever. This is basically take the gear VR, but make it a non-removable device headset. And this shouldn't be really a shocking uh, venture to people because Qualcomm has been out there banging the drum of these uh, VR SDKs, not mm-hmm. SDKs, that's software, VR um, like reference platforms, essentially, yeah. with Snapdragon in them. What is interesting is that, you know, they're working on, like, that Oculus, kind of the progenitor of VR in this iteration, right, that, you know, you had to buy, what was the cheapest budget VR PC we built when Oculus first launched? 800 bucks? A thousand bucks? Yeah, no, like a thousand. Thank you, manage. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, manage. Just under a thousand. Yeah, and 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 they're saying this is going to be two hundred bucks. Well, that's the rumor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not the comparison to make between the Rift and the gaming PC. It's the comparison to make between a high-end smartphone. So, a high-end how smartphone the, plus the Gear VR. How the yeah. hell could they make a high-end smartphone for two hundred dollars? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Like, know. you can't get because rid of it's purpose built. I mean, your the industrial design. It could be. I guess less advanced with the cooling and stuff like that, but like you still have to put the SOC, you still have to put the display honestly, in it, put if, a battery in it. If you're, if you're going to be taking a loss on it, if if I was thinking this through, the VR, a VR centric device is going to be more expensive, right? Because it's going to have mm. the highest end parts you can buy, yeah, CPU, GPU. It's going to have a bigger battery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to have the best screen. Right, but I guess it doesn't have to be. They could just be building moderate capability systems, yeah, um, and and pricing them at this, just try to get mass market appeal to stuff. I guess and two decent screens as opposed to one big good one. Maybe. So all of a sudden you're saving on the glass. Yeah, you might like, go to there are maybe cheap. And cheaper. this one, uh, the two hundred dollar model, the first one they're releasing because uh, it's just a rumor right now, right? Uh, won't have positional tracking on it at all. They're talking about a second oh, version to come okay. out, which will. Sure, but now so it's obviously trimmed down to the minimum. Yeah, I. Yeah, okay. I could see. I guess I could see that. I, if I were giving these uh, these groups advice, it would be: do not release a crappy product just yeah, to well, sell to. But I mean, like a crappy GPU from AMD isn't going to kill the graphics add-in market. Mm-hmm. A crappy. Uh, VR headset still has the capability to to kill the current VR market, right? And we have to wait for another. Which is already kind of wounded as it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Still, still pretty interesting stuff. So, Uh, uh, thermal takes contact. Did we didn't we do a review of one of these? The contact silent twelve. I don't think so. No, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. I looked at the keywords and it didn't come up. Who is this result from, Jeremy? This is from uh, Tech Report. 
contact, not contact, contact. They forget a T. Silent yep. 12 heatsink. Um, $25. Anything, oh, that's nice. Yeah. So we're getting into the Cooler Master Hyper, Hyper 212 Evo line. Yep. Anything yep. stand out about this particular cooler then? or uh, More or less the exact same thing as the Wraith uh, that you can pick up, except quieter. Hmm. Makes sense. And super cheap, so you don't have to pay the extra bit for the Wraith, which uh, is often a little more than the $25. Right. The blades on those fan do like some weird little dimple. Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's. It looks like they kind of. Yeah, it's like two. It's like a ripple or something in it. Everybody's been trying to figure out how to make fan blades better for about 100 years. I mean, I wonder if that actually makes it quieter (laughs) or not, or if it's just like, we're just going to make it look cool or. You All know. you have to do well, is convince it's, it's gonna, a couple of people that it improves airflow. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to increase turbulence. It may increase noise, but you'll get better air separation. Yeah. yeah I'm just uh, bouncing to see where it was. Uh, so, yeah, they went between 26 dBs to 29 at load. Your, your dBs. The Wraith starts at 31 and goes to 39. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. If nothing so, else, it's nice to have a heatsink with an AM4 bracket in the box because yeah, right now if you buy a lot of coolers, they'd send off and get the bracket, and you need proof of purchase to get the bracket, so you can't build your PC until you go through a two-week process. Oh, to really? Get the bracket. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. that's, that's pretty. That's they won't just send you one because they don't want to send. Or you get inventive <laughs> and kill your die. I want a free thing. Blah blah blah. Exactly. I might buy an AM4 one day. Am I missing something on here on our on our rundown? We don't have the Threadripper stuff. Uh, we don't have it. On, we, don't ha- we don't have it on the rundown because mm. that posted the morning the podcast went live. Uh, yeah, the after fact. Well, we did miss that. So stay tuned to the end of the episode, everybody, where we can talk about Threadripper pricing because we're going to do that. Well, what if I don't want our last to? Story. And in fact, we'll just kind of run through these things a little bit quicker here to make sure we get to it. Uh, and it doesn't matter what you want to do, Josh. That's. No. <laughs> I mean. Does it sound like your home life right there? I'm sorry. I didn't really mean to come off that way. Oh, Josh, just just keep listening to yourself in the corner over there. That's a low blow. Uh, Counting cores, Intel on the bench. $50 difference between the um, uh, uh, 7700K and the 7800X. What are we looking at, Jeremy? This Uh, is another uh, external review from TechSpot. Yes, go ahead. Guess what? Frequency is uh, still king on the vast majority of things. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just because it's got more cores doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be great. It's kicked uh, over. He has a player on their Battlegrounds benchmarks. I'm going to look through them. Yeah, this is the that first time I've ever seen that. That's a very like, like I've never seen that game. one uh, benchmarked. Oh, really? Okay. Let me take a look here. Scroll no, you here. certainly here don't. I mean, it would be difficult to benchmark since it's a multiplayer-only game. Oh, they are, yeah. That's kind of the thing. But, yeah. All right, it, so it doesn't run well. I haven't tried the latest patch, but it was very CPU dependent. Before. Yeah, yeah. The seventy seven hundred K, which is uh, let me see if I can make that better. There we go. Uh, one hundred twenty six frames per second average versus ninety eight on the seventy eight hundred X. Yeah. So showing a pretty and even the one percent frame time was eighty eight versus seventy. And I really I don't like that they call that minimum frame rate one percent. That's not what that means, but understood nonetheless. Where, uh, meanwhile, take a look at this game that, that has no oh, difference whatsoever. Doesn't care. 
yeah. between those processors. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Ashes of Singularity, Mass Effect Andromeda, same damn thing. Uh, the only ones that 7800 was better for were Quantum Break and Prey by yeah. 2%. Yeah, Far Cry 2%. Primal, huge difference so, in Far Cry Primal. There might be a $50 price difference only between those two chips, but like, isn't the rest of the platform difference... I mean, pricing. it can be, yes. Like, like X299, I would yes. These are not two different chips to plug in the same board. Correct. In other words. You, you can like, get 270 boards X, as expensive as X299, but yeah. yes, the average X299 board is way more expensive than the right. average 270 So in board. reality, yeah. it's probably like a $100 difference or, or more. Or more. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Which actually is a disservice to the story That's here about true. the 7800X performing less, yeah. performing lower in the gaming side of things. Yep. Yeah. Now, all these benchmarks are done at 1080p, which is t- perfectly reasonable. Keep in mind, if you go to 25 by 14 or 4K... Put even less burden on the CPU. Then your GPU is going to be even more important. So, yep. you know, take it take it for what you will. So, it w- it probably, a good story, nonetheless. It'd probably actually just even out all the results no matter what. Yeah. If you went to, like, 4K. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you'd be benchmarking your GPU at that yeah, point. Yeah, you'd just be benchmarking the GPU. This is an interesting rumor. Ken, you wrote this up. Intel is possibly launching quad-core Cabby Lake R CPUs for, for ultra portables. This would be a shift from what we have today, which is everything that's a, 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 a processor for a laptop that's not like a gaming laptop is a two-core four-thread, right? Yeah. So, again, as we were just talking about these 15-watt processors, they've been dual-core, hyper-threaded parts, and the rumors have been turning, turning. There was finally, there was a little mention in a Computex slide deck from Intel about upcoming 8th generation performance, in which they essentially said there was a 4-core part in the 15-watt sort of power target, and we've seen now a leak of this sort of product roadmap back at the end of last year that mentions Cabulake R as being a 15 watt 8th gen processor with uh, 4 core 8 thread in the second half of 2017 which we're getting into and then Mm -hmm. most recently we saw a leak of an Acer Swift 3 notebook that mentions the i5-8250U which the Blank 250U is a very sweet spot, sweet spot 15 watt part that from has like Haswell on a ton of notebooks have used MacBook Airs, XPS 13 stuff oh. like that. And then we did a little bit more digging and found on Geekbench in their database there are actually a lot of uh, 8250U results. If you click the link in the paragraph above it, you can actually go to the page. See Asus HP. UX 430 UAR. I've hmm. never heard of that machine before. Weird. <laughs> it's almost Whoops. like the next generation of all these machines. If you, if you scroll, there are a couple more vendors there. So it seems like everyone is testing this part. Yeah. Dell, HP, Asus Ooh. in the machines you expect. A like new Dell XPS, XPS 13, 13, you say, huh? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Which is kind of weird because 9360 is the current model number. So it sounds like it'd be more slight revision than a generational redesign oh i see which might make sense for it being just a cabby lake respin as opposed to coffee lake as a lot of people were kind of thinking this 8250u part would be but if you go back to the article hyper threaded yeah okay so if you go back to the article i did uh performance a quick uh performance analysis so let's scroll up oh we're down down 
Down. A little bit to the right. Too far right. It's yep, a fifty-four percent increase in multi-thread CPU performance and a seven percent increase in single-thread performance against the seventy-two hundred U and the XPS thirteen in Geekbench. Right. The key will be how and in what direction does this affect the battery life? Well, it shouldn't affect the battery life if it's a fifteen watt part still. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, in that point, why only have why have multiple fifteen watt parts at all? Right? Like, there's 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 a difference there, but I don't know. Well, they can charge you more for the higher clock speed ones. Oh, this is a one point six base three point something turbo. I forget. That's a huge gap. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, yeah. like that's what you want, right? Like, well, ideally, I mean, that's what you want. If you have four cores running, it's definitely only going to clock at one point six, fifteen watts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but I'd be curious if if you have all quad cores running, for how long does it take for it to clock down to that? That's really what what's key, right? Yeah. Like, if you're doing some activity that takes three seconds, like a Photoshop filter or something like that, True. or a Premiere, um, uh, like effect adding or something like that, right? If you can use those quad cores for five seconds at full speed, mm-hmm. that'd be that's, very nice. That's doubling of your performance, right? In theory. So yeah, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, I mean it's it's nice because the sort of lowest power quad core processor you could get from Intel was is currently a thirty five watt part, so more than double the power out of the fifteen watt parts. So it would be interesting to see. What this means for Ultrabooks, who have been very stagnant in their performance since yeah. Haswell yeah. and that sort of generation. They've gotten yeah. better in battery life, but performance has been, you know, a couple of percentage points increase. All right. Very cool. All right, Jeremy, you've got a couple more in here. we got to run through more glass holes. <laughs> yep. If at first you don't succeed, go to the enterprise market. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like that. So that's what they did. This will be a competitor to the HoloLens. Uh, they're giving us very little information whatsoever about it, apart from they've doubled this the is a uh, new camera. One. Not like a repurposing. No, uh, it's a it's a new version. So okay. it's got an eight megapixel camera with a red light that turns on when you're recording, which kind of needed to be on the first version, <laughs> and a little bit of Wi-Fi uh, bandwidth increase. But that's pretty much all they're doing. They right? said it was new uh, that we know as well. of. On the other hand, that's about all they really need to do for what they're talking about. Whereas if you're working in a factory, you need to be able to see inside that little bit that you're trying to fix. That the only thing that fits in is your arm right? or prototyping design. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's going to compete against the HoloLens, which runs just short of six grand. So I think we've got a rough idea what the price is going to be like. So we'll, we'll see if Sorry this one works. And then the good news is you won't see it in the streets and in the bars as much as you used to. <laughs> so Wired actually had a really good article about this, a really in-depth article okay. uh, this week where they've oh, I been, missed it. They've been revi- like they've had this revised glass for a while now and they've been selling it to uh, enterprise customers for 1300 to $1,500. So it's significantly cheaper than HoloLens. People, after sort of the public failure of the first glass, these companies were kept developing apps and kept using the sort of public version and then went to Google and said, hey, we find this to be valuable in this certain application. We would like some more of these, please. Would you make them? And they've kind of revised them. So now you get you get like frames of safety glass in it so you can wear it on right, the shop like floor. like this picture, yeah. Uh, also in that, article, in that Wired article, there's a video 
about like some consulting company and Google and Boeing. And they have this application where for doing wiring, wiring harnesses of airplanes, they can have their technicians wearing the glass and they can look up the schematics and view it on the Google Glass instead of right. having to go over to a laptop, type in I the mean, part number. They use, they use voice search. They look at the schematic. Sense. They plug in the wires. Yeah. They double check stuff. They make sure – they can watch the video on how the assembly is supposed to be made if they are, aren't sure about something. Yeah. Just like really cool sort of applications for factories. I, I've never been a, a doubter of the of the usability of this technology when it gets implemented. I think it's it's easier to implement when you have like these extreme verticals of manufacturing or you know, you, you mentioned like DHL delivery. Like if you're a UPS driver, right, this is the a perfect thing to have that's gonna give you your directions, it's gonna tell you like hey you've got a pickup, here's how big they are, like this constant stream of information that's helping you. If you're a garbage man that comes to collect garbage at two forty seven in the morning and you need to Tell people that they didn't have their garbage out at who puts garbage out at two forty seven in the morning. I don't know, not me. Man, it's, sorry, personal issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, very cool. Um, this is an interesting rumor. Corsair could be purchased for over five hundred million dollars um, by the rumor is according to to, to routers, 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 Reuters, Reuters. <laughs> Reuters. 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 Oh. Reuters. It's Reuters. 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 <laughs> Raiders. Exactly. Reuters. Just call it luxury yacht. Uh, they claim to have two anonymous sources. The Corsair is, quote, in advanced discussions to be acquired by Eagle Tree Capital, which I have never heard of. So I'm not sure really what to make of this. Um, they claim the transaction goes through in its current form will be worth more than $500 million. Um, they have Eagle Tree has several backers, including Goldman Sachs and other ones I've never heard of. Um. So we posted the story, and all the reaction on Twitter was like super negative. Like, oh, there goes everything that made Corsair good. Uh, might as well start flushing Corsair down the drain. Blah 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 blah. Things like that, right? Uh, I don't think these people realize Corsair has been fifty percent owned by private equity for like the last three years. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're, they're already they're already owned by private equity. Yeah. Say again, Josh. They're they're not a public corporation. Correct. They, right. they not, were going yeah, to try that. They, <laughs> yeah, there, there were lots of talks about going IPO, and it just never happened. They're fifty percent owned by Andy Paul, and fifty percent owned by some other private equity firm right now. And they this buyout would be um, basically one firm buying up one hundred percent of the company. Now, what yeah. that means for the products and everything is totally unknown. Um, I've known. People at Corsair for almost two decades now, and in fact, my first my first ever meeting as a media person mm-hmm. with a company representative with was was with somebody from Corsair. Okay, in 1999, I met with somebody at a uh, restaurant inside the Sahara Casino, and <laughs> right, uh, and I was back eight, when they only did memory. I was 18 years old. Oh yeah, they and only did memory. Memory. Um, yeah. I don't think that anything would really change in this. In this, but you know that you know you just never know, and that's that's what people's fear is. Uh, but it might just be that they're, this company wants to buy it, and they want to take it to this IPO, and they want to do these other things. So Corsair is a is a huge brand, and a, a extremely valuable brand. Obviously, you know if they're upwards of five hundred million dollar valuation in this, um, but it's kind of a small company still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean they don't yes. manufacture really anything. 
No, I mean except a couple of memory. Yeah, they do. They do. You know, some in-house memory pack, not memory packaging. Um, Binning. No, they but they but they'll do onto the modules themselves. I'm trying to like SMT work essentially. They, they, they yeah they they have SMT lines. Yeah. But yeah, but like they sell power supplies. They don't manufacture them directly. They work with manufacturers. They don't have the facilities that are making the chassis. They don't have facilities that are making the water cooling products, those types of things. That's what you're referring to, right, Josh? Correct. They outsource a lot, but they have done really well yeah. in getting... Gosh, I'm trying to think of the exact... I mean, they just have branded and marketed components. themselves no, no. perfectly. They, they had an excellent way of, of acquiring components and getting somebody to put them together how they want, mm-hmm. getting the products. Yeah. That yeah. we see. I mean, they have a hand in the design of all of it and stuff. They do. Oh, just, sure. They go in they're and... They're not just and, rebranding a bunch of other correct. companies. They're not, stuff. Yeah, their power supplies aren't just rebranded. Their cases are clearly not just rebranded. Right. You know, they do the engineering and then they find somebody who can make it for them. Yeah. So they don't have to invest in the production facilities yeah. themselves. Which right? works, which, apparently. Which is them. fine, yeah. yeah. And I don't think anybody on this podcast or listening really could doubt the fact that Corsair has just had a significant impact on the enthusiast market over the last decade sure. or more, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they first branched out from memory, what was the first – here's the thing. What was the first thing they made after memory, Josh? Boats? <laughs> I think cases. No. They started off no, in no. – No, no. Cases? cases. They made memory. coolers before cases. Yeah, and they made power supplies no, coolers before that, were I think. I – uh, they made after. air coolers. I think they made an. I they think made, they made a couple. They of made air two coolers air coolers that before they, they, made, they made. Do you remember those those water coolers that had the problem with corroding? I don't remember that. That was uh, like don't remember all those that used multiple metals in the loop. Yeah, so, so, I don't think that was after first. about so they started, ninety days, it stopped working. They started with power supplies like ten years ago. Easy. Oh yeah, probably power supplies. I would. I would think. It's it's power supplies. If I were to guess, I think it would be, that would be their second like major product line. Yeah. Um, I was going to look now. Corsair is also a transportation company, as it turns out. So if you look up Corsair on Wikipedia, that's Which, not that's not the same thing. Um, and I could be wrong, but I thought it was sort of like a like some Seasonic IP or something, or one of the better power supply. Like I think they did. Seasonic has been an ODM. Like I think they did some kind of partnership or something with one of the better power supply makers at the time, which is what kicked it all off, which is why I think their power supply thing started off with like really strong. Oh, Um, you're all wrong. It was USB flash drives. (laughs) Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah, it was PSU. That's correct. Okay. I I don't count flash drives as a major product. I don't think that list is chronological there, Jeremy, because high end gaming PCs is before liquid CPU. That's that's not a Remember the flash boilers? It was rubberized. You could put them through a washer. I agree that Ken's assessment of that list not being in the correct, not being completely in order is correct. But I, I would they agree. They did make flash drives forever. Flash drives have been a thing for a while. That's that's an easy like successive Going memory, memory step thing. Yeah, the flash. Yeah, that pre-built well, high-end gaming PCs. Them so they could give you their PR on the flash drive mm-hmm. about their new. <laughs> right, that's why they're making them right. <laughs> <laughs> Save money down the line. Uh, Jeremy, you wrote this post up, Josh. We'll see what your comments are. Uh, TSMC moving to seven nanometer. They talked about uh, tooling up for deep UV equipment. Gross. It's not EUV. It's deep UV. So EUV so is ahead, the Samsung. DUV is TSMC. No. No. I had that backwards? 
Uh, neither is correct. Oh, damn it. What, what, are the, what is this deep term supposed to mean? Because that's not like... Deep ultraviolet light. It's not how those terms yeah, DUV work. is not extreme. Correct. No. Okay. It, it, it's and so eczema. instead of being... Go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, no, you, you're much better at this than I am. Uh, you know okay, your process EUB tech. Okay, does some like 13.5 nanometers wavelengths. Uh-huh. And uh, DUV can do 248 to 193. Which is... So... Okay. It's better than visible light. And right. the blue lasers, I think, that they use now. Right. But it's not as good as EUV. And it's not as complex. Okay. Just wish <sighs> I yeah, so it's it's more mature. So it's sort of a bet on TSMC's part of let's go with something we know works. Uh, it's probably going to give us decent yields and give ourselves time to tool up to EUV and let uh, Samsung go through all the troubleshooting. I mean, sure, they'll hold on to industry secrets, but there's oh, a hell. lot you'll learn from the process. Intel's going to do most of the <laughs> troubleshooting. Also true. Well, they already are. They have they? the most EUV machines in the world. Yeah. Like five? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all five of them. So if shit goes bad... That really actually hurts the product, the uh, the product line. Boom! Like y- you go down a couple of percentage, and all of a sudden you're not able to sell a lot of stuff. TSMC, you know, they're cranking out stuff left, right, and center. So they're like, "We'll we'll ease our way into seven N, which is what they're calling it, because you know why call it seven nanometer? Because uh, it's not. To be honest, yeah. it's become a marketing <laughs> term. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see if. That actually makes sense because Samsung is saying 2018, boom, we're, we're spitting it out. TSMC's, yeah, 2018, but we're doing the DUV and we'll work into the extreme uh, once we get deep into the market. All right. We'll uh, see which one pays off. So this is the part where we're going to so talk about Threadripper real quick. Uh, before we do that, Randall Steffens has become a new Patreon pledge of uh, our new patron I know, I know that five guy. That name's familiar. I know D- that guy. Well, it's Maxius. Yes. In IRC. And he didn't put anything And obscene? he's number 400. <laughs> yeah, you missed your chance, oh, man. Oh, nice. Nice. Randall Steffens shows up in my Facebook feed and Twitter feed. Yep. That's how I know Randall Steffens. That's how I know. So thank you very much, Randall. Greatly appreciated your $5 contribution. Now, before we get into our picks of the week, the rundown says we're done. We're not done. Not done. The second most important news story of the week is here now but wait there's more amd announced ryzen threadripper uh model numbers clock speeds and pricing we have the threadripper 1950x and the threadripper 1920x flagship performance at 999 dollars. so there's dr lisa sue and not dr john taylor sorry john uh talking in a video basically announcing all of these these bits of information here's what we got the 1950X is the 16-core part, 32 threads, 3.4 gigahertz base clock, 4.0 gigahertz turbo clock. Impressive. 40 megs of cache, uh, DDR4 quad channel, 2666, 64 PCI lanes, 180 watt TDP. Pretty high. $999 price tag. Actually 180 watt? I don't know the answer to that. No. Uh, the 1920X is 12 cores, 24 threads. 3.5 base, 4.0 boost, quad channel, 64 lanes, 180 watts, 799. Hmm. So 
this first table here shows it in comparison to all the Intel parts. So here's what's interesting, right? At 999, excuse me, the 16-core Threadripper goes up against the Core i9-7900X. Yep. Which was just launched, Skylake X, etc. It's a 10-core part. So we're talking about 60% more cores, mm-hmm. the same amount of money, 60% more threads. Now, the base clock is close. The boost clock on the Intel part is higher, especially when you get into like single and dual threaded. They go up to 4.5. The AMD is at only at 4.0. And we know that the IPC of AMD Zen architecture is lower mm-hmm. than Intel. the Intel Skylake. Yeah. Not parts. horribly lower, but it is lower. I mean, it's, it's a noticeable amount. Yeah. Right. So if, if you take in that IPC difference plus three to 500 megahertz faster on Intel, it's easy to like, could be like 20. We can talk about the performance now The single threaded and lightly threaded applications are going to be faster on a 7900X. Yep. Even though it has 60% less cores. Yep. Um, than on uh, the Threadripper 1950. Yep, because you're not using all the cores. Because you're not using case. all of them, and the frequency and IPC matter more. When you heavily load the work down, if you're doing in video encoding, you're doing... Um, something specifically uses, something any, that uses all the cores. Something that's using a lot, or several applications at one time that are using lots of cores. Sure. Uh, you're going to see better performance in the 1950. The, um, and even the 1920, the, the benchmark that... Um, AMD showed in their video is Cinebench, kind of the common multi-threaded workload, uh, showed the 1920X, so the 12-core, versus the 10-core. And you can see that the score on the 12-core was 2,400. The score on the 10-core from Intel was 2,100. Hmm. So a difference of uh, some percent here that I apparently didn't... 12%, right? So the 12-core Threadripper is 12% faster than the 10-core Skylake X. Which, by my math, you know, there's a 20% core count difference. Yeah. Take into account the IPC delta. Right. Chips away. Brings it down a little bit. You're about 12%. It kind of all makes sense. Yeah. They did show the performance of the. So, what's the the price difference between the 10 core and. 200 bucks. So, the 12 core AMD part is cheaper. $200 less expensive than the Skylake X part. Okay. And then they did show the 1950X doing uh the same result and it had a score of 3046 so here is kind of a cinebench score note that the green results were not tested by me so we're taking amd at their right, word just, on these we're results right results into but you can see clearly like that's a that's a what did i 41 percent difference between the 1950x up here and the 7900x down here that's a significant gap yeah right so uh amd is supposed to announce these i think on the 27th, 28th, 29th, something in that time frame, maybe hmm. 30th. Um, Lisa, <clears throat> Lisa Sue said in the video, excuse me, <clears throat> that they're going to be on sale in, quote, early August. Yeah. I don't know if that means 1st or 8th. Not really sure. Um, I mean, I wonder what Intel is going to have to do there because it's not like they can really have this, you know, single but single threaded performance argument when you have a product line that's going all the way up into 12 and 14 and 16 sure. core parts or whatever i mean like so i think if you're intel at this point so amd is going to come out with this product they're going to talk about where the core count leader where the multi-threaded core count and, and multi-threaded yeah. performance leader yeah um intel's already shown their cards they showed uh, here's what our product roadmap yep. and pr- pricing is going to be. They didn't show specs yet, mm-hmm. but they did show... They didn't show the clocks for the higher end. They didn't show end. clocks, but yeah. they showed cost and core count. But we kind of know it's not like the clocks are going to go up. From no, the, no, no, no. They're definitely not. Yeah, right? It's just a matter of how much 
down yeah. they go. Or if they can manage to keep it equal. So if somehow. I'm Intel, you probably don't talk again until you have at least a 16-core part. Yeah. And then you talk for sure when you have the 18-core part because then you recapture the, the more, most cores for the consumer yep. argument. You kind of ignore the price. Um, and you find the cases where the multi-threaded performance is, is beneficial. Now, if, I, if I'm Intel, I'm also kind of like I'm looking for the cases where lightly threaded, moderately threaded, like maybe four to eight threads are happening at one time. Yeah. And maybe these are very common workloads. Well, they, um, they are if you're not doing specific tasks sure. that load down all the cores. So then you maybe show that in a 10-core processor versus the 16-core AMD, and, sure. you sh- and you find an advantage. I don't know. I'm just kind of sure. making this up as I go. But like if, if, if I'm AMD's PR, marketing, you know, perf, perf labs, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, okay, maybe I'm playing PUBG, mm-hmm. and I'm recording it, and I'm streaming it, um, and I also have my Discord server running over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's like six to eight threads of work, but it's not sixteen or thirty-two. Yeah, and maybe you have an advantage there, right? And, that's, and some, that's the kind of stuff you. Look and something for. else to consider is that Cinebench is really not core to core latency sensitive. It no, it is not. It's like almost yeah. the best example of something that is not sensitive to that. It is very much. It does not, not care yeah. really about the latency from yeah. core to core, right? Which which AMD still does have as a weakness relative to Intel, right? Especially on the newer parts to have the matrix, like all the yep. newer parts are going to have the matrix method of their core to core communication, which keep latencies pretty low, like, yep. you know, relative to yep. AMD. So, you know, and again, yeah, on the AMD side, so, people can optimize better for that and work around it or whatever. But like, I, I don't think there's so if you look at this slide here, it gives you a summary of what they really announced. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt in my mind Threadripper will be a successful product. Oh, yeah. Right. Definitely. People who want heavily multi threaded systems yep. but are also cognizant of price mm-hmm. because there's a disconnect there. There are some people who don't really care about the price. Their their company is buying a, a, an engineering workstation. They're putting, you know, four quadros in it. So the idea of a nineteen ninety a nine ninety nine processor versus a nineteen ninety nine processor yeah. Yeah. just doesn't mean shit to them. Right? right. And in that case they may still stay Intel because of other other things. Sure. Uh, but for this group of like prosumer slash people who just need to have the best crap in their system, like Threadripper is going to be a, a big selling part. Yeah. Right. Definitely. I don't I think there's any getting around it. Uh, so, so it's also kind of interesting because they, they've announced availability in early August. They're probably going to announce it uh, in the late July timeframe. Mm-hmm. Um, why they would release clock speeds and pricing now is a little it's off like, to me. like tipping their hand a little quickly. It is right. So like yeah. Intel, Intel's like Intel has not announced the clocks for, they have not. You know those higher other, the, the the twelve plus. I, yeah. Actually, I think today maybe twelve kind of leaked out, but yeah, they haven't officially announced. So, so Intel could basically be like, oh well, now we know what we need to shoot for Correct. for our clock. And also, like, just this gives them like a month head start on on planning for what their story is going to be. Yeah. When they didn't, they didn't. Now, really now that said, the clocks that AMD talked about that's impressive for they're how many high. cores. Yeah, yeah. If you can get six, so they're basically saying sixteen cores, minimum uh-huh. three point four gigahertz. Uh-huh. That's that's great. Yeah. Right, and chances are it's probably going to be like three point five. Yeah, is what that works works out to be. So I, I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, the 180 watt TDP scares me a little because the 95 watt TDP for Ryzen was a lie yeah, I, slash a misinterpretation. I mean, um, I, I could almost put money on. I don't see that 16 core part just doing 180 watts. Like I just don't see it. I don't know. 
at that. And in speed. which case you get into the issue of so. Skylake X had this huge problem of like power consumption being way higher than yeah. the previous gen. Yeah. What I was, what I'm hoping for AMD's sake, they find is that they don't have that problem. If right. they can perform under Skylake X 10 core, yeah. power consumption. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be a big benefit for them. They also announced uh, Ryzen three parts. They didn't announce um, pricing. Hold on. No, they did not announce pricing, but they announced um, Ryzen three. Not a surprise here because the Ryzen Ryzen three Pro launch had occurred. But thirteen hundred X twelve hundred um, four core four thread three point five to three point seven on the high end three point one three point four on the lower end. Um, this is going to be their, you know, 110 to $150 price yep. range, 100 to $150 price range part. Interesting. Cause these are going to go against core I three parts that are two core four thread. So these are four true cores versus two cores, four threads. It's weird to see them not doing hyper threading. Well, the Ryzen, the Ryzen five went down to a quad core hyper threaded, not hyper threaded, a quad well, core, whatever eight thread part. Yeah. Right. So they had a quad core eight thread solution in ryzen 5 i so like you know again the same thing will happen ryzen 3 and single threaded performance will be lower than the core i3 Mm -hmm. in single threaded performance yeah but in anything that's multi-threaded capable yeah four real cores are going to outperform two plus hyper sure so but now you when you get on the lower end like that you're venturing more into typical gaming system territory and people might care more about typical business like you know um just like productivity type machines is where you're looking at. This yeah. is a huge market for AMD, yeah. right? So and Intel does some have, have some additional other benefit there because they have the, uh, what is their boost? The whatever coming out of standby faster coming out of so oh, speed shift, speed shift. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah, you they know, could. potentially a more responsive system, like noticeably more responsive compared to AMD. I imagine that responsiveness tests will benefit Intel still. Probably still. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we're... It really is turning I into, guess like... Allowed, there was a know, Twitter controversy, but I can say it now. We have the Ryzen 3 processors. We're going through the testing process with them now. We're yeah. kind of getting in our Core 3, Core i3 equivalents, um, and we'll probably test that Pentium... Uh, what is it, Ken? The... 4560. G4560, is that what it is? I think, I think, I think you're right. So. And we'll kind of just see where it, where it stands. It is interesting to see um, this turning into something where it's like... Before, you know, not that many months ago, it was just Intel just cleaning up yeah. on everything. Now it's like, well, there's really no clear winner. It's like, you know, maybe gaming and responsiveness, maybe Intel might have a little bit of an edge, but AMD is now just doing this crazy multiple core. Look, I mean, the, the, I, I said this at the end of the story, and I don't want it to be hyperbolous, if that's a word. I don't want to it is create now. hyperbole. Um, but AMD has, they've launched Ryzen 7, Ryzen 5, the Radeon RX 500 series, the Epic Data Center Processor, Vega Frontier Edition, Ryzen 3, and Threadripper, and Vega are all due out in the next three weeks. That is insane. That's insane. Yeah. For a company that has downsized considerably, yeah. um, that doesn't have the, the number of PR people, uh, product managers, marketing, whatever you want to do down the line, they, they, they suffer a lack of them. It almost makes me wonder why they didn't pace this stuff out a little more. <laughs> I would totally agree with you there. It's just like, holy I would, crap. They, they would like some money to line. flow into their coffers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I mean yes. I guess. Josh is right, right? Like, you can't sit on product that you have ready for a given market segment. You've got to push it out. Because right know, now they I have no, no products in any of those market segments. AMD yeah. can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> Intel like so like True. Intel can do that. Nvidia can do that. Yeah, because they're in market share leadership positions. Right. Uh, AMD doesn't have the ability to do that. 
every every money every dollar they spend on R and D is incredibly valuable. They need to get they need to get something from it. So anyway, that's Threadripper. We'll know more on that in a week or two, maybe three weeks, something in that line. Um, super excited for it. So uh, congrats to them on that. Now we'll get into our hardware and software picks of the week. Uh, we'll start with me. As I cool myself off. Oh, here he goes with the fan. Warm office with this fan. So hot. So mm. hot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. I, 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 uh. um, so I bought a stroller for me and my daughter to take to Disney World, and I needed a, a fan that was battery powered but attached to her stroller because it's hot in Florida in August. Right, I bought one at Disney World when we were there last time, and it was a piece of garbage. It had uh, foam fan blades. It looked like Mickey Mouse. It, it, yeah, so it was cute because it looked like Mickey Mouse. It's sitting over there on the floor somewhere. It's cute because it looked like Mickey Mouse, but it was a piece of garbage. And I paid like $30 for it or something like that. These were uh, $15, and I bought three of them, uh, like three different types. I've got this one here, the one that is actually my pick, the O2 Cool, and then I've got this one, which is... The Sky Genius, because Chinese brands, I don't know. Um, and I wanted to see, like, I'm going to buy three, pick which one's the best. And so I've basically been doing battery life tests on <laughs> battery-powered, like, stroller attached. Like, these basically just have clips on them um, for fans. This one is, is uh, powered by a uh, LiPo. 18, 18650. 18650, kind of like a standard battery cell. This one takes four AA batteries. Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, I'm, it's actually interesting to me just to get behind the science of things of and then, like. And then this one does not like recharge, right? right? That, that one is this USB. one is USB rechargeable, yeah. right? And then it has, you know, like speed adjustment and it's oh, so nice. So nice. Uh, this one is like two speeds, but it uses double A's. And, um, you know, going into the science of like, we were talking about it earlier, alkaline batteries droop. Yeah. As their capacity drains, yeah, just so the fan speed just off. gets lower yeah. until it turns off. At least it's still working. This one, once the battery, it goes from its whatever speed you have it set on to yeah. off. The fans just stop. But from a uh, your traveling standpoint thing, you could just pick up a spare or two eighteen six fifty cell for that. Uh, yeah, then, yeah, I guess then, I could. And then oh, it died. You take the one cell out of your sure. pocket. You throw it in there, you're yeah. done. This thing's yeah, got I want to carry 18650 cells in my pocket. Well, you, you don't want to carry four double A's, right? So one well, of those is rated to be carried by a person. The other, 18650 right 18650s are meant to be integrated into products and not necessarily user accessible. That's true. They have a fuse at the end. Like it's. I, I don't know. If, if you looked at this, this is pretty... Um, That's a standard 18650. It's going to have... Like that extra bit at the top? Thing? Yeah, not not all of them have it. Well, I would not, imagine the one that goes into that device would. It's also not apparent which side is positive or negative, yeah, as I just took it out of the box. Yeah, no, I yeah, I, I figured it out. That. But don't do it backwards, guys. Yeah. Um, so this is the science that, that, that is really driving me, is the portable battery. I will say that the battery life on these four AA's is going much longer than the battery on this uh, yeah. LiPo. But like you have to go out of your way to find 18650s that don't have the protection circuit okay. in them. I right, will say so. if you are a, a sweaty PC gamer, this one would be beneficial for you because <laughs> it is USB powered. Uh-huh. It'll charge and it will run off USB. Cool. So if you need a fan pointed up at you, this is a good option. It's a Sky Genius something, something, something. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, 
It just seems lighter than and this, it, too. And it's like, smaller and, and louder. But it is lighter. Nice, huh? Lighter than this. Uh, Yeah, well, it doesn't have four AA batteries in it. Yeah. Um, well, so. I suppose it's better than carrying your spare coolant around, Al. <laughs> Don't you still have a little bit of that left? Is Coolant's coolant? What are we talking about? Yeah, no, on. from uh, oh. the HVAC. Yeah, no, that's twenty pounds. Worth. Just jumping on yourself. <laughs> so that's, hot. that's like that's like a propane. Oh, tank. shake it up and it'll cool you down. <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to put a vape battery in. That's what 1860 cells <laughs> yes, are. Oh no. Well, now, now I feel like such, now that. I feel like such a hipster. Yeah, well, 18650s are safe. I mean, but if you carry it in your pocket and you fall on it, you're going to short it out, or yeah, yeah, you're going to have a bad day. I like the idea of use a replaceable while I'm in Disney World, but it requires a screwdriver to get to the bay. These on are the types one? of things I have to on think the, about. Yeah, see, that's yeah. yeah see, now I got to carry a mini screwdriver <laughs> with me. Right, that's a pain. Yeah, <laughs> well, well you, you don't have a, you don't carry a Leatherman with you. I so just there's, there's a screw. Exactly. I'm flying. There's a screw and <sighs> it clips though. And uh, yeah, but with the Ryan. screw. Um, so you could it's captured. Replace the screw yeah. with gaff tape. It is. It is captured. I mean, you could still get the screw out of there. I could just, get the screw out of there and then just rely on the clip or whatever. It's know. a long, arduous decision. This one just seems more cumbersome. Uh, check out dadreports.com in the future, and I'll give you uh, uh, feedback on which fan was truly the best. And he's yeah. not joking about that URL. He's no, not da- joking. no, dadreports.com is real. That's a real site. It's happening, guys. Okay, uh, that's enough fan talk. Uh, I can't wait to see what you do with that Nerf fan. <laughs> Jeremy, what do you have for us? Oh, the North has risen again. Yeah, it's I know. a damn good, decent deal on the uh, 7 1700s. Ninety bucks off. What is this in, a, in real system. dollars? Yeah, don't give us this loony money. Uh, well, higher than it used to be because our dollars up against you guys for Aww. some strange Aww. reason. I, can I can't imagine why. <sighs> Not happy about it. But uh, Amazon.com tells me in uh, boring non-multicolored money, it's two sixty-nine. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, yeah. That's yeah. Eighty bucks difference is not that bad. Huh. That's pretty good. Yeah. I will accept that answer. Yes. All right. And your money is still boring. Uh, yeah, but who cares if it's boring so, if it it's worth more? Yeah, but the Australians don't make our money, so you know. Wait, the Australians make do, Canadian do, do money. Yours glow in the dark. The, the we're, Australian glow in the dark coins now. I, I'm I'm ninety percent sure it's Australia that like has the. Has has yeah. came up with that design that you see in euros and Canadian and Australian dollars now, and they produce them for the entire world, essentially. Besides us, yeah, and the Kiwis, everyone who's got the plastic money, yeah. Because it's funny, you, you, you forget do something. <laughs> you forget three hundred bucks in your pocket, and you threw it through the wash, and you can you do that with our money out. too. It's made of. Cotton. You don't get about two fifty in crumpled stuff. You, you get it all back. We use plastic down here anyway. I don't know what we're all talking yeah, true. about. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what's your what do you got for me? What do I get? What am I not gonna buy and put in the corner of my office? Did you already buy one of these? I said, what am I not going to buy and put in the corner of my office? Oh. Well, I mean, you're the one who originally uh linked this to me oh. last week. Oh yeah, that's true. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a full racing seat that is about 200 bucks less than what you will find anyplace else and it doesn't have the annoying middle post right in between your legs where the uh, wheel 
installs. Huh. Interesting. So, for $389, that's a really good deal for a full seat that looks pretty sturdy and is fairly comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to have to get one of these eventually. Seat and the frame and the pedestal. I have this this thing in my head where I get this idea where, like, Logitech sponsors some like racing rig of ours in the corner somewhere right where we put their wheels and 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 pedals and you know headphones and and stuff and we they just pay for us to have this amazing like racing simulator off in the corner or is there i can't tell from that picture but does it does it look like there would be some way to put a visa mount kind of thing on that thing no, like, uh, they have uh, for another two hundred bucks more, <laughs> or actually one hundred and fifty. It's in the bracket. You, you can add have to it. triple monitor stands, but it's one that's designed to attach oh, to that. My, look at that one. Is this the one we're talking about? Yeah. Oh, so it looks like it extends a little bit further oh, off yeah. of the uh, off of the bottom. Just of get it. some tube steel, make your own. Well, you probably could at that six hundred bucks. Yeah, I'm pretty lazy. Fine. I'm pretty, but the, but I'm pretty lazy. But hold on. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I also don't want to have one of these in my house. But just a second. Does that, does it come with a chair? Uh, this 529 one? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Both, oh, yeah. of them, both of them come with a chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What the hell else? What? Well, I didn't know if you had to add your, because it's, it's a standard mount. For those. Wait a minute. The description for this thing right here is a single monitor stand. But it has three monitors. With adjustable leatherette seat, but it's Ooh. but it says single monitor. Oh, leatherette! Yeah, I don't really understand that. I don't know. No, it's a single monitor stand, but yeah, it, it handles triple. I mean, it, it clearly indicates s- it does. I mean, I, I guess I can see from this picture how what they mean, right? Like it's one stand, and then there's these two just articulating arms. arms. Yeah. Okay, sure, why not? I'll go with that. All right, and uh, last and sometimes least, Alan. So uh, I'm still a holdout. I have not cut the cord completely because my wife will not let me. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but if you're using Media Center, you may have noticed uh, definitely the not past few that. weeks that the channel guide is, just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> How are you still using Media Center? <laughs> yeah. He's using Windows 7. Uh, it's Windows 8.1. Oh. It just stopped working? It just, uh, yeah. It we just, told you this shit was EOL, son. What? Well, no, it's 8.1, though, which came with it. Yeah, but... Right? Okay, but whatever. There's there's a way. Okay, right. All right. Uh, so there's a piece of software you install, and it kind of acts like a channel guide service thing. Except, <laughs> you, well, you just you just rego you just go through the you just no, go no, through guys, the, it's totally fine. Hold on, let me show yeah, you this piece works. of software. You go through the you rego through your channel setup on Media Center, like if you were setting up your tuners, right? But you just opt ah, out. Okay, the, you opt out of the Microsoft channel guide, so it's no longer trying to pull down the channel guide from the regular. Okay. You know, and what, you can the point it place. to something else, or no? It, this just it it pulls down. So there is a channel guide service called Schedules Direct, which, which you have to pay for. By which the way, you have to pay for. I ran into bucks. this with EPD twenty five dollars a, a year. Oh, okay. When I was running Myth TV, it's uh, stupid that you have to pay for it. Well, somebody's got a well. So here's the thing, though. Yeah, I understand. The it. guides uh, are actually they're pretty detailed. They're more detailed than any regular channel guide I've seen. Like for example, what do I need? In conjunction with this, though, the EPG one two three, the software is free. Sure. But the guide thing, you have to subscribe to the guide thing, and then you just link this software with your yep. subscription on the guide thing, right? You choose, you make sure you have the right guide for the right region or whatever, just like you would for any other. Put in your channel. zip code. Yep. Well, you put in your zip code, and then you have whatever the options are for your service providers. You pick the right one, whatever. Um, 
But it has like, I mean, like if you just look at that, uh, what is it? The first picture on that one? Um, yeah. Like just look at the first picture that pops up. Uh, the one, the leftmost. I'll have to scroll up a little bit. Yeah, the leftmost bubble. And then look down near the bottom. Notice it's like saying what season number, what episode number. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's stuff that doesn't normally show up in a channel guide, but if you're kind of a person that is, you know, keeping content offline and wanting to look for specific episodes, like... Of course, they're using scene format for the uh, season episode. Basically, yeah. Um, <laughs> so 4 Eve 1-5. And, yeah. and, um, <laughs> and actually, for like more than a year now... Who would do such a thing? For more than a year now, like regular, the regular Media Center channel guide has also gotten a lot of other things wrong. Like it had the wrong artwork for a certain thing. <laughs> you know, some some, you know... Some TV show, but the artwork is from like a completely different TV show or like makes right. no sense, right? That was apparently just errors in whatever the service was that Microsoft switched to like a year or two ago as like a stopgap, right? Whereas all of the artwork in these guides is all, as far as I've seen, always correct. Mm. Like it just everything just works better. Like it, in many ways, it's better than, you know, what they were fixing, the problem they were fixing in the first place. Um, so you know, I mean, if you're still if you're still using Cable Card Tuner, <laughs> you know, still as if as if anyone ever did. Hey, three I'm, people. I'm trying. It's fighting me. Three people in the country, not who listen to our podcast, that are still using cable cards. Yeah, man, what a technology that would have been awesome. What what the cable me? card was a DRM stick. So it yeah. was, yeah. but no one wants to pull freaking cable. No, box. but you could get around yeah. it because I mean, look at what you went through or. Uh, it was Alan, someone whose name I'm forgetting at the moment, went through hell trying to get cable cards to install in their uh, cable uh, receivers. Well, that's because the cable like, company never wanted to support it in the first place, so they didn't. Well, no, because right. now you get a second TV, and good lord, just, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Now, I mean, I've used other cable boxes and, and stuff like that, and like even, other, even a lot of the other... Um, you know, we, we're always messing around with, like, Shield interface and other stuff. Like, Media Center, as old as it is, is still more responsive than, like, any of those things. It's not more responsive. It, are you kidding me? The only thing that there is a delay in it all. Doesn't matter. It doesn't exist anymore. It's just when the tuner is, like, locking onto a new <laughs> Sure, channel. but Plex DVR doesn't have a delay looking through programs. That's true. I mean, I guess, but... Uh, you go- can't use Plex DVR with a cable card tuner because they don't support the encryption, which sucks. Yeah. Media Center is the only thing that has supports that encryption. I know. It sucks. And I am shocked that to this day nobody has reversed that or figured out a way around it. True. Yeah. Because, people like, have to want it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? I that's mean, true. to be fair, right? Like, those people that would reverse it just pirate their content and they don't give a crap. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. That's our uh, show for this evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, again, PC. So the URL you can find all the show notes we talked about, links to stories. Uh, uh, RSS feeds, video downloads, YouTube links, all that stuff is at pcper.com slash podcast. Uh, you can find it all there. And we will be back next week, July 26th. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll say the 26th. How about that, guys? Uh, for another episode. Okay. Wait, it's a, it's a uh, hold on. Aren't we on like a special number next week or something? Or 60. Oh, it's not special. Okay. Never mind. My favorite GTX card. It's one of the best. Eight. Okay. Nothing? Nothing? Nobody else? Input nope. on the number 460? All right. Nope. That's it, everybody. All right. We'll see you next week. I'm Ryan Schrapp. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walbrecht. And I'm Alan Malbentano. Good night.
If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash pcper.